Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This time, I have chosen an episode of The Weird Circle, a series which typically, but not always, adapted famous creepy stories from the world of literature, including the works of Edgar Allan Poe, Samuel Johnson, Charles Dickens, Robert Louis Stevenson, Charlotte Bronte, and many others. Between 1943 and 1945, 78 episodes were recorded in the RCA studios in New York. This particular story, The Red Hand, was broadcast on May 6, 1945. According to the Digital Deli 2 website, The Weird Circle was licensed to both NBC Red RCA and the Mutual Broadcasting System, and was likely first aired on WGN in Chicago. Depending on the affiliate, sponsors included Ogden Fine Cut Tobacco, Ben Tips Certified Perfect Diamonds, Far Better Ice Cream, The 7-Up Bottling Company, Ramar's Bread, The Boundary Motor Company, Crockett Brothers DeSoto, Plymouth, Augusta Roofing and Metalworks, Hennigar School of Business, and Collins and McGill Frigidaire. The Red Hand was one of the last few installments of the Weird Circle to be broadcast, and it was one of the rare episodes that was not an adaptation of a literary classic. Tim... Why did you choose this episode? You know, it's a, it's a funny story. Um, was, uh, you, you, you just shut up. I will explain afterwards. <laughs> For now, let's listen to The Red Hand from the Weird Circle first broadcast, May 6th, 1945. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speakers. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Phantoms of a world gone by speak again the immortal tale, The Red Hand. I am standing here in the rain, waiting for him to die. And in a moment now, the sound of the trap flopping open will echo over the shining wet street and he will be dead. Then I can walk in this world I live in. Walk as freely as perhaps you do without death in the wake of my footsteps. Listen, my life was not always bounded by four walls and a lonesome room. No, my life was full, rich and full and I lived in a French province on the Upper Rhine. I was beautiful, they said. Golden hair, vigorous with life. They said I could have married any man in all the province. I was wealthy as well as beautiful. Oh, many years ago, it seems. I was visiting Madame Ruprecht in Strasbourg. At a party there one night, I met Monsieur de Latourette. A very great pleasure, mademoiselle. Oh, 
How do you do, monsieur? And uh, thank you. Some champagne out on the terrace, mademoiselle? Thank you, monsieur. I I think a breath of fresh air would be very nice. Well, this is better. I'm more at home under a full moon. Really? A different girl under the same old moon. Oh, please, mademoiselle. (laughs) I only meant that this is more appropriate. Outdoors, moon, the smell of the night, the trees, and... And you, a beautiful woman to talk to. Oh, thank you, monsieur. Uh, Mademoiselle Monroe, uh, permit me. We have just met, but I have never known a more beautiful woman, ever. Anyone I wanted more to kiss. Oh, you... You shouldn't kiss me like that, monsieur. Well, don't look so surprised. Do I? Exactly the same way as when I kissed your hand back there. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we go in? To safety? Oh, please, monsieur, I... Oh, is Madame Rupresh looking for us? And Monsieur de la Tourelle. Well, I can't turn my back for a second. Where have you two been? We were just... Uh, Just a breath of fresh air, you know. You have other acquaintances for me to meet, Al Gambo. How did you guess? Come, come along, monsieur. Au revoir, mademoiselle. We shall meet again. Oh, there you are, Anne Monfort. I have some wonderful news for you. Oh, and where is Monsieur de la Tourelle? <laughs> he had to leave hurriedly. Send his good night to me. But listen, he's coming to see you tomorrow. Tomorrow? I arranged it all. But what if I... What if I don't care to see him? But my dear, he's a catch if there ever was one. They say he's fabulously rich, has a chateau in the Vosges and everything. And you object to his wanting to visit you. Hmm. Forgive me. I suppose it is all right. Of course it is. Now run along and get ready. Well, Monsieur de Latourelle did come to see me the next day. And the day after that. And within a week he'd stolen my heart. Oh, I was delirious with this new kind of happiness. So we were married. And my husband took me to his chateau, Les Rochers, tucked away in the scenic Vosges Mountains. Well, those first few weeks were wonderful weeks. And foolishly, I believed they would never end. At first, I only sensed something was wrong. He would leave me alone for days and nights on end. I was not allowed to go outside the walls. The servants spied on me. Neighbors who came for an occasional visit were told that I was ill, that I was unable to see anyone at all. I could not understand my husband's attitude. And then one evening, my only friend, my Norman maid, Amant, told me a letter for me was in my husband's study. It was the first letter I'd received since the first day I came to Le Rocher. It is true, madame. I had no business to look inside the desk door, but I did. And there I saw the letter. Addressed to me? Yes, madame. But Why? I was told that I'd never received a single letter here. Oh, forgive me, madame, but that is not true. The letter is there. It is that, well, Monsieur de la Tourelle is keeping it from you. But how could he? Why? Amand, you you must help me to get that letter. I will, madame, gladly. Now, while Monsieur de la Tourelle is not at home. Quiet, Amand. Hold the light higher. Hurry then, madame, while I close the door. Good. Now, now this way. Desk is over here. You 
we can get the ladder and be gone before anyone... Hold the light high, Ramad. I can't see. What happened? The candle, madame. Oh. It blew out. The portier. Heaven's name. What can we do now? Take the letter to your bedroom. Then bring it back later. No, no. That would be dangerous. You go get a fresh light. I- I'll stay here and wait for you. But, madame, suppose you should... He's... Do what I say. He returns tomorrow. Now, hurry. If you wish, hurry, but... hurry and be quiet. I'll close the portier. The candle mustn't blow out again. investigating. I've told you again and again, we must have peace around Le Rocher if we want to carry on our our little business without interference. Huh. Too bad Monsieur de Poissy came upon us while we were robbing that merchant from Cologne. Oh, he was such a good neighbor. I still think we should have robbed him and thrown him in the bushes. I'll make the decisions. It's a good thing Blanchard here has no tongue. I couldn't stand two of you gabbing all the time. I... Someone's coming. Oh, uh, monsieur, I, I did not... Oh, come in, Armand. Now, what are you doing in my study? Monsieur, I thought you... Yes. Yes, that I was out. You know this cannot be tolerated. What did you want? Well, uh, there was a letter for madame among the mail. I, I, I thought to get it and take it to her. Oh, a letter, eh? Yes, monsieur. And she probably wants it very much. I thought so, monsieur. I thought I'd surprise. Well, you can't have it. I'll decide whether madame will or won't have her letter. Yes, monsieur. Now get out of here. And if I ever catch you snooping in these rooms again, I'll cut out your heart. Go on now. Out. Yes, sir. Ah, stupid woman. Not so stupid. Well, Sarah and me, we stood in front of the body, but... I think she saw his face. Oh, nonsense. The fool was scared to death. Nevertheless, you shouldn't have let her go. She'll talk. We should have slit her throat. Oh, don't be an old woman, Lefebvre. She can tell nothing of tonight's business. Yes, and what's unusual about my early return from a trip? <laughs> that can easily be explained. Mm, maybe so. And these women around here will get you in trouble yet. Oh, nonsense. My wife knows nothing, suspects even less. She knew I was leader of the Mer Rouge. Stealing, robbing, murdering cutthroats, they call us. If she but knew, she would have a stroke, I think. What makes you so sure your wife knows nothing? She's too simple for that. Besides, if I thought for one minute that she knew anything... Well, see this dagger? It would be in her heart, good Lefebvre. What was that? What? Oh, the portier. The wind, Lefebvre, only the wind. Why, you're jumpy as a cat. Oh, I must have a look. I'm sure someone was at the window. <laughs> no one's there. Now get about your business. See what's in Monsieur de Poissy's pockets. Ah, poor fellow. If he had only not come by when we were roasting that merchant's foot. Oh. Hey, you, Blanchard. Help me stand him up. We can search better that. Yeah. I don't trust your women. Remember your other wife, Victorine. Yes. I had to send her on a long journey. But this one is sly. 
what she knows, she keeps to herself or uh, tells the gendarmes, maybe? No, no, Lefebvre. She knows nothing. But before she learns the truth, she too will go on a journey. Oh, I see. And she is a wealthy woman, no? Do you think I would marry a woman who wasn't? Of course she's wealthy. When she's dead, it will be mine. Just as Victorine's was. And uh, how will you murder her? I've yet to plan that, but it must be a clever way. We shall see. Now, come along. There's food in the galley. (laughs) But uh, the body... Oh, it's safe enough here. Armand is too scared to return, and no one else knows I'm back. It's all right. Come on, fetch it, fetch it, Come on, Bonchard. Come on. Did you get a good look at the merchant's eyes when his feet were roasting? <laughs> <laughs> Madame. Madame, where are you? Here. Over here, behind the portiers. Are you all right? Yes. Yes, I'm a little faint. I heard them go off. Oh, I was so frightened they would discover you. They had. Here. Here, give me your hand. Help me up. Oh, what? What's that? Oh, a body. A what? Give me your hand, Amand. Yeah, steady. Pull now. That's it. Oh, what is it, madame? I... I felt the cold. Cold? Yes. Poor Monsieur de Poissy. De Poissy. He murdered. Oh, quickly, Amand. We must leave here tonight. My husband is the leader of the Mar Rouge. Mar Rouge? You mean... It can't be. Yes. They stood boasting of the exploits while I hid behind the portiers. Oh, madame, your life, it is in very great danger. And yours, Amand. Anyone who knows about the Marouche. Yes. Yes. Oh, we must leave tonight now. Oh, madame, at once, hurry. We must leave at once. Preparations. Her mouth packed some food. She even found men's clothing for disguise. As we left the estate secretly, we could hear Monsieur de La Tourelle and his accomplice, Lefebvre, discussing an appropriate burial place for the body. Going by side roads, we struck out for Strasbourg in the roles of a traveling tailor and his wife. Amand looked the part of the tailor very well, and I had told her to pretend she was dumb and couldn't speak. I dyed my hair and made myself up beyond recognition. Several days later, we were halfway to Strasbourg. It was late afternoon. And needing food and shelter for the night, we stopped at a country blacksmith's, offering to mend clothes in return for an overnight stay. With luck, we will be in Strasbourg in a few days. Once inside the city, monsieur will never find us. Hush, not too loud. Here's the blacksmith's wife. All going well? Yes, it's, uh, it's close to sundown, though. We could use a light. All right, I'll get it. That's the third time you've asked. Always the same answer. She just won't burn it until she must. What's that? The man on horseback. He's stopping. Can you make out who he is? The gentleman of standing. 
The blacksmith and his wife are greeting him. Courage, madame. Oh, Armand, it's Monsieur Latourelle. Outside there. Oh, heaven protect us. What can we do? Courage. Here he comes. Mm. You do the talking if necessary. You will recognize I am not the man. Go on with the sewing unless he interrupts us. Here they come. Pray she doesn't fetch the light we asked for. Well, I can get you a sandwich and some coffee, monsieur. Only a bite. Anything I can eat and drink in my hand while my horse is being shot. Oh, one minute, monsieur. Oh. Ah, tailors. You may be able to help me. Huh? I am looking for my wife and her maid. A beautiful blonde woman and a robust Norman. They fled my house, taking with them money and jewels. Of this last, of course, I care little. But to lose my wife, that is a tragedy. Perhaps in your travels you've seen such a pair. Oh, uh, no, no, monsieur. Not at all. You could not mistake them. Your coffee and sandwich, monsieur. Huh? Oh, yes, yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, please tell your husband to make haste. I shall pay him double if he hurries. Yes, hurry with the horse. Monsieur says double for quick work. Then, monsieur, it is finished. You heard that, monsieur, it's finished. Good. I shall go then. Oh, but the sandwiches, the coffee. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Here. Why, Frank? Oh, that is too much, monsieur. And you ate No nothing. matter, no matter. I must hurry. We slept very little that night, and we were on our way early next morning. I'd been forced to sell a rather peculiar ring, given me by my husband, to a jeweler the day before. It was only a matter of time when my husband would stumble onto that clue. So with all caution, we had to hurry. First, we thought of giving up the idea of going to Strasbourg and of going on to my husband's home instead. But we knew Monsieur de la Tourelle would have spies all over that region by now. It would have been suicide to risk going home. We took a room in an inn several miles from the city. And on the same evening, a Madame Berenice de Roder, on her way to Paris, stayed at the inn. Armand remarked on how closely her features resembled mine, how her long blonde hair could have been mine. I thought nothing more of it at the time, and we retired. But in the middle of the night, voices in the courtyard awakened us. Armand, Armand, wake up. Yes, is it time to go? Shh, someone's coming up the stairs. It sounds like Monsieur de la Tourelle. I'm very tired of that. He's outside. We shall scream if he comes in. Oh. No, no, Monsieur Latourelle. That is not the room. Uh, down that way. Oh. Oh, the number is similar. Yeah, thank you. Good night, now. We must get out of here. No, no, no. If we went without paying, the innkeeper would remember us. Would throw suspicion on us. We must stay. But he tried to come here. No, he didn't. It was a mistake. He was looking for another room. You see, I'm right. I hope you're right. I hope. Monsieur, we want to pay our bill. Uh, oui, madame, we. Oui. Is uh, that correct? We, uh, we, oui, oui, madame. What is the excitement over there? Oh, have you not heard, madame? No. That poor young lady, Madame de Baroness de Rodeur, was murdered in her bed. Oh. Yes, it happened during the night. When she did not rise at ten, her maid went up and there she was, a knife in her heart with a little note stuck to the handle. Oh, my poor place, this will ruin me. Well, what did the note say? It said, once more the Mer Rouge have avenged themselves. The, uh, the, the police, they, they know who did it. Without a doubt. 
It was the elegant gentleman I told him came here during the night. He was not seen this morning. I see. Then he will be brought to justice for this. Oh, on the contrary, madame. Nothing will be done. The prosecutor plans to let the matter drop. He does not care to risk the vengeance of the Man Rouge. They have sworn, you know, to kill anyone who betrays them. Oh, one never knows who in a gathering are members of the secret band. Oh, it's a pity. The poor woman. Uh, it is not good for business either. Oh, good day then, monsieur. Uh, good day, madame, and thank you. Madame, do you know why she died? Yes, and aunt, I know. She was mistaken for me. Now I wonder when he will learn his mistake. If a man had not been with me to share the terror, I could never have found my way to Strasbourg. There we'd rented a small, ill-lighted room, and for a day or two we felt secure in it, out of their murderous reach. We saw no one, we went nowhere, but at last the time came when our money was gone, and Amand went out in search of a job. When she returned... Madame, the pay is not much... But it will help until you can get some money of your own. These people you're to work for, they they sound like good folk. You should be very happy. I won't see you every day. Oh, Amand, how can that matter? But it is not that which worries me. Well, then, what is it? I had some trouble today. Remember the jeweler to whom you sold your ring? Yes, of course I do. He is here, in Strasbourg. He saw me. I am positive he knew who I was because he followed me. I felt sure I managed to lose him. But now I can't be sure. Oh, Amand, then it's not safe for you to leave here again. Well, that jeweler, he's working for my husband. Yes, madame. But I'm sure that nothing will happen to me. Your life is in danger, Amand. But you said yourself we need the money my job will bring. I must go, madame. I promise. No, I must go. Amand, come back. That evening, a knock sounded on my door. I was filled with terror. I didn't answer it. Then slowly the door began to swing open. Madame. Madame Latoura. No, no, You have the wrong room. Go away. You are, Madame Tourelle. I know you are. No, no. Don't be afraid of me. I haven't come here to do you harm. What do you want? My name is Baron de Ritter. Oh, you are... Yes, my wife was the Baroness de Ritter. She was murdered by the man Oh, I had nothing to do with it, Baron. Believe me, I... My I know you are innocent, Madame. I have come to help you. How did you find me? The jeweler, your maid. I've been searching for you for weeks. But but how can you help? It's simple. I would find this man, this Tillatorel, and see that he is hanged for the murder of my wife. He's in hiding. He has many accomplices. Only you can help me find him. But uh, how can I do that? Your husband knows now that it was not you he murdered, but my wife. He would find you if he can and kill you too. Yes, it is my life. He wants my silence. Then we must seek him out before he can find you. But how? What could it I... It would mean risking your life, madame. Perhaps even death. Perhaps death would be better than than this hiding. What shall I do? Then you will help me. It's very simple. All you must do is leave this room and walk about Strasbourg. Someone of the Mount Rouge will see you. You'll report to your husband, and then he will come out from his hiding place to to kill you. And if he succeeds... I will take every protection to see that he will not succeed. But there is still the risk. Before you answer, madame, I... I must tell you. Yes? You're made, Amand. Tonight she was stabbed in the heart. Oh, Amand. Poor Amand. Now, what is your answer? I will do it, Baron. When do I start? There is no need to wait. Tonight, madame. Tonight. 
All of Strasbourg seemed silent. Sleep that night. And even the air was still with a solemn hushness. I walked along the dark streets. The flesh on my back crawled with terror. For constantly I pictured my husband creeping behind me to strike. On and on I went. Forgetting to feel tired. Forgetting everything except that soon it would be over. One way or the other. Any moment might bring death. Or a free life. The night grew cold. Now and again I I turned to look back. Searching the shadows for even a glimpse of the Baron and the gendarmes who were following me. Never once did I see them. I could have sworn they were not there. I turned the corner. <gasps> Monsieur de la Terrelle. Yes. It is I, Anne. That knife. Shining in the light. You're... You're going to kill me. Yes. I'm going to kill you. Come down. Seize it. Your murderous career is over. Gendarme, take him away. So they took him away. And on his face was a hideous sneer of hatred. For me, his wife. Here on this empty street, down this cold gray wall of stone, the rain from the heavens falls. Free rain. And in a moment, he will be dead. In a moment, I will be... Now. Now it is done. I'm free at last. Monsieur de Latourelle. My husband. Oh, if I could have helped you. If you had wanted my love or my help. Poor Monsieur de Latourelle. Poor man. You did not really live... For you never knew the happiness of goodness or the serenity of kindness in your soul. So may you feel the sweet, free rain upon your heart. From the time-worn pages of the past, we have brought you the immortal story, The Red Hand. Bellkeeper, toll the bell. That was The Red Hand from The Weird Circle here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was Tim's pick this week, and he said in the intro that he would explain himself at the end. Uh, This is going to be a fascinating few minutes. I'll tell you why in a second. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yes, it was my turn to pick this week, and I really wanted to find a radio adaptation uh, of an Arthur Machen story. If you don't know, uh, he is a Welsh author from like late 19th century, uh, wrote The Great God Pan, a lot of very influential horror works, was a member of the Golden Dawn, blah, 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 blah. He was a really cool guy. Uh, and I really <laughs> like his stories. Uh, and so I did some Googling and they said, hey, the Weird Circle did this version of his story called The Red Hand. So I sent out an email to you guys like, guys, I know what I'm doing, Red Circle. No, 
Guys, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Weird circle, the red hand. Let's go with it. And then I listened to it, and <laughs> so you chose it before you even heard it. And I, it, it is, it is not, not that story. It's not even remotely no, that story. <laughs> <laughs> so this that'll was, learn you. Yeah, this was in fact written by Arch Obler. Wow. This is literally just a completely random episode chosen by mistake. Is the like, original story that you were hoping about a guy who had, like, put his hand on the stove too long? <laughs> what's the original story about? Um, in some ways, I don't want to go into the story this isn't. <laughs> yes. It's more of a supernatural murder mystery. Okay. Yes, that is very accurate. Call it that. And not about a French mob <laughs> Called no. the Moulin Rouge. That's what I kept thinking they were saying, and I was like, "That's been taken." <laughs> They're being hunted by a red mill, <laughs> right? Okay, so that's super interesting. Well, here's the good news, and I told you that this is going to be really interesting. Um, God, that's funny that you just yeah, we'll do that one. I'm going to start doing them that way. <laughs> uh, I really liked it. I really, really liked it. You got really lucky because <laughs> yeah, I had a great time in this. I, uh, the opening narration in real time, uh, I think we were talking last week about narration where you're in the present and then you tell a story from the past. It's an old trope, but uh, it's a great setup. It's Starting a great at, opening line. Right. I am standing here in the rain waiting for, for him, him to, to die. die. I was yeah. like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, you know, starting a story at the climax of a plot and heading backwards, see how we got there. Uh, you have to put the puzzle pieces together. It's just a good device, and that always pulls me in. It's done a lot, mm-hmm. but I, I've never seen it fail for me where I go, yay, let's <laughs> go backwards now and figure this out. Um, so I enjoyed the beginning a lot. I found it a bit dull. To my taste. Um, I will agree. It telegraphed a lot that was going to happen. Yes. I got really excited at that opening line, but then I quickly realized that opening line also ruined the end mm. once you realize he's watching someone on the gallows. And then I was like, oh, well, we know how this is going to end. Once again, <laughs> I was like, ooh, who's going to die how? For the whole story. I didn't catch <laughs> that there was a trap door and it was a gallows. So for me, I knew someone was going to die, but I didn't know until the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's being hanged. So I was really glad I wasn't listening. As thought it was like a job interview that wasn't going well. <laughs> right, could have been that. I didn't know what was going to happen. If I would have been listening better, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been so, ooh, I get it Yeah, now. you should really pay attention to details better, Eric. <laughs> it's an important lesson here, I think. It's true. <laughs> so true. That, that was bitingly true. And I will agree with you that it is, in a certain sense, boring. Because there's nothing new about this story. But I will say it's like a nice comfort food action movie kind of mm-hmm. thing. When I found out it was written by Arch Obler, I was like, oh, that explains this. <laughs> um, because for me, it wandered into like, this is just plodding along, doing what it's obviously going to do, and then twist into, this is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then turn again, and it's something that's like, oh, it's that again. Right. It does have some twists, but then it also has some very predictable things that are happening but still uh, someone being chased and trying to hide mm-hmm. from them there's nothing new here but i found it very suspenseful and exciting and listen the born identity is not some kind of groundbreaking <laughs> amazing thing but sure is fun to watch yep. <laughs> guy, guy just running and hiding and then running some more and hiding some more but it works <laughs> i'm still reeling from finding out it's arch obler <laughs> 
this would have been so improved by giant worms or a cat wife, in my opinion. Uh, but it does explain things like the fact that they appear to be given this merchant a hot foot. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, that you know, was I a weird... I thought about that since I was like a little kid watching Warner Brothers cartoons. Right, but not as a practical... A foot. Not as a practical joke. Yeah. As some kind of torture. Yeah. A way of extorting money. So it should have been called the Red Foot. <laughs> <laughs> then it would have been awesome. I like uh, the description of the two uh, women running away as a beautiful woman and a robust Normand. <laughs> Yeah. You can interpret that however you want. And I like they didn't necessarily say which was which. Yeah. <laughs> the lesson really is of this, though, don't marry the guy that sexually assaults you at a party. Yeah. <laughs> and I might have missed something, but do we ever find out if there's any significance to the letter uh, that he was keeping locked no. up? So the significance was that he was keeping all contact from the outside world. Yes. yes. It and then felt by, like the letter might be more important. I agree. And I was waiting for something that she would find out that she didn't know that would be the exposure of him. Instead, the exposure was looking at the letter, happening to be hiding in the room when he brought in a dead body. <laughs> so, a day early. A day early. <laughs> and just leave him here. She'll never leave her room. Just leave it here on the floor. I was like, why were you nervous? He's coming back tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. That's fair. I want to make sure I implied enjoyed this and didn't enjoy this in equal measures. <laughs> uh, so take the complaining with a half grain of salt, I guess. So at what point, when you thought you were listening to The Red Hand and you realized you weren't listening to an adaptation, did you stop? Did you go, oh, this isn't it? And then start listening to for what it was. And I got through the whole thing thinking, this is really different. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go back and compare. Like, wow, they took some some liberties with this story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Then you had to listen to it again, didn't you? Or you didn't, did you? You just went, fine, that'll be what it is. <laughs> Well, I'm not gonna... <laughs> Once I knew what had happened, I was like, well, this is what's happening for the episode. I'm not right. going to cancel this. No, because <laughs> you said it yesterday. <laughs> There's no time to change that up. One of the strange choices in here to me is when the handmaid is killed and yes. it happens off stage or off ear, <laughs> as mm-hmm. it were. That seems like a dramatic, tense possibly good scene and just yeah, like oh yeah the character you've been following for 20 minutes she died i agree but i kind of also disagree in the sense that yes it could have been a scene but i also like him dropping it in in that conversation mm-hmm. i like uh, both ways i think if the script had been more successful i would have liked that as a subversion of expectation but mm-hmm. i was so looking for tension somewhere I was sure like, oh you missed an opportunity for some tense scene right her being followed down yeah. the street and breathing heavily and scared and then yeah. being killed yeah 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 i get it and the the brilliant plan of like we will trap him by using this one as bait and possibly getting to her in time Right. <laughs> it felt like they ran out of time in the script because yes. they didn't really draw out the tension of that scene at no. all. Compare it like the whole town sleeping, right? Where she has that long walk mm-hmm. home and that level of tension here. It's Correct. like she takes, you know, two steps out the door. There's a guy with a knife. Police he, whistle. Done. I think. <laughs> Arch Obler collects his check. <laughs> I would have to agree with you, Josh. Tell him Arthur Machen wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to agree with you, Joshua, that 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 is a real missed opportunity when they decide she's going to be bait 
that that scene could have been really uh, terrifying and suspenseful, mm -hmm. and they could have really drawn that out. You're right. You would have had to have lost a 30-minute scene of looking for a letter in a study, and I don't know what you're gonna. <laughs> I don't know what you're gonna cut. But it has those fascinating final lines, though, where she's saying, "You never really lived because you never knew happiness or goodness or the serenity of kindness." It has this strangely forgiving conclusion that is yes. interesting yeah. and it makes me almost want to go back and re-listen to it again but I think that would be a trick that I wouldn't find any, <laughs> <laughs> anything to support that but so my, man. my attention was piqued by this in literally the first and last line <laughs> mm -hmm. and like everything in between was a kind of limp noodle <laughs> I agree with you 100% except for the fact that sometimes that tropey action running yeah, scared. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Hitchcock a chase scene is fun. Yeah. A chase yeah. scenes are fun. Uh, I mean, you can make the argument that North by Northwest is just that. Yeah. It's not oh, anything groundbreaking. You don't have to defend enjoying but I didn't, it. I didn't like it that they get away, that they that he shows up where they're at at the inn, and there's he almost comes to their room, and then they- Kills the wrong person. They run out of money. He kills the wrong person. I mean, there's just but so much- But they telegraph that 30 seconds before he does it. Oh, you look like that woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hope you don't get murdered. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> I like that they traveled like, you're going to dress up like my husband, see? That's just an odd detail. Well, she is a mm -hmm. robust Norman, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody have final thoughts? <laughs> my final thought is Tim listened to the episodes before he said <laughs> <laughs> My final thought is Tim, don't, don't. Just pick them by title and send them to us. Let's see what happens. There's something beautiful. I think that show sh this show should go in that direction. Okay, let's Here's agree one. that every 129 episodes, he will do that. I get one mulligan. No, every single one. His one called Death Angel. That sounds good. Let's see what it is. Here's one called Lovecraft Rules, Tim. Wait, Arch Obler wrote it again? Damn it. Let's send it to the vote. Joshua, why don't you start? I think it is not very interesting. I personally probably wouldn't listen to it again. It doesn't have a lot of value. But I also acknowledge, like Eric says, we're all fans of old-time radio. And so mm -hmm. almost any suspenseful-sounding <laughs> old-time radio show I enjoy would be great. Mm -hmm. It'd be great to fall asleep to. Boy, I better just back out of this. I'm not, not going to really... It'd be great to fall asleep to. So yeah, I that's... call that CBS Radio Mystery <laughs> Theater almost every night. Bum bum. I make it through. E.G. Uh, Marshall saying, "Come in." Okay. <laughs> you can't just sleep on my stoop, sir. Come in. Uh, I'll go next and tell you that uh, I think it was good. Uh, it, it stands the test of time. It's very simple, absolutely, but very well done. I thought the performances were very uh, well done and great as well. It's enjoyable, fun in that action film kind of way, mm -hmm. and it's meatloaf and potatoes. It's <laughs> it, it's very satisfying in that way. I don't, I don't know that I would say it stands the test of time, but it's definitely a notable historical artifact in that it is one of the Weird Circle episodes that is not an adaptation. This mm. is what the Weird Circle does when it just, we're going to produce a show of our own. And I do agree that, that they generated a very solid meat and potatoes old radio show that has yeah. flaws and it's kind of arch-oblery in both the good and bad ways. 
but I'm glad I made the mistake. And I'm still going to go look for an Arthur Machen episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That is where you'll find other episodes of this podcast, as well as information about our live shows. It's also a great way to get a hold of us. From there, you can link to our uh, social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can leave comments on individual episodes, respond to other people who have left comments on individual episodes, have a chat with people. There's lots of lovely people chatting. And uh, if you don't want to talk to anyone and just give us money, you can go to <laughs> patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. We've got a lot of great rewards at different levels. So you can choose one and participate at it however you want to. Uh, so we invite you to do that. You could also uh, just go to iTunes and write a review. Um, that's like money. Not really. But we also appreciate that, too. <laughs> All right, coming up next is a listener request, uh, and we're going to be listening to an episode of The Black Mass called The Outsider. Until then... On a gathering storm comes a beautiful blonde woman in the robust Norman. In a dusty black coat with a red right hand.